Welcome to the Addiction Connection podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw, and I am joined by two special guests live in person, which I absolutely love. And they work and serve at, at the Salem for Youth Ranch. And I say they, Andrew in an official capacity, and then Kat in more of an unofficial, unofficial capacity. Am I right? Yep. And so uh, we're going to learn more about them and their story in just a minute. And a verse that Andrew said, this is Andrew Held um, and Kat Held. One of the verses he said that's really been uh, on his mind and heart lately is Philippians 1.29. So I'm going to read 29 and 30 here for us now. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now, verse 29 has really been, you know, alive in your heart and and uh, something that God's just kind of called you into. And I, I know that uh, for those that haven't watched the, the podcast with Terry yet, they may not know about Salem for Youth. So before we get into this verse, tell us a little bit about Salem for Youth. It's a residential a boys program, and Andrew's going to tell us a little bit about that and what he does there, uh, and then living on campus. I can't wait to hear about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Salem for Youth is a uh, boys residential a Christian facility. Uh, we house 12 boys. Uh, the program is the program is set to be 12 months, but the average stay is 13 to 15 months, uh, depending on how the boy works to his goals that we set. Sure. Um, <clears throat> or if he's very rebellious and doesn't want to be held accountable on some things. You mean boys can be rebellious? <laughs> boys can be rebellious, yes, and sometimes don't want to listen. Boys like me? Boys, boys like, like you, you? Boys like me? Boys like you? Yeah, boys that's like right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. Um, and so how we have that set up is uh, six of those boys uh, during the day will go to school. Uh, we have a teacher that is in-house. Uh, the boys work online, and they're in school for a couple hours. And then the other six are split up between multiple vocations, where some will go to equine, where they learn to work with horses, ride horses, um, work with steer. The boys do learn how to rope. They rope practice dummies. They do eventually learn how to rope live steer. Um, we have a, a photography vocation where they'll go around campus. They'll learn all <laughs> sorts of aspects of photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a wood shop as well where they learn um, not just power tools but hand tools where, where Gabe really spends time wow. with these boys uh, handcrafting <laughs> furniture and uh, very nice wood. Um, and then we have um, multiple other activities. We have um, sports. The boys play soccer, yeah. basketball, track, swimming. They're involved in all those things. And then <laughs> after those times, it. around that 3.30, uh, they come to the cottage where I spend a lot of my time with the boys. And yeah. that time is to mimic kind of the home life. All the boys, all 12 of them, come um, at once. Uh, let, me, let me back up. Um, during the morning when those guys are in school and those guys invoke, they switch yeah. after a certain amount of time. So they yeah. flip-flop. So those boys invoke will go to 
school and then those guys in school will go to Vogue. Yeah. And then so then after 3.30, we kind of mimic that home life where they all come together in the cottage. Now all 12 are joined all together 12 after that. All yeah. 12 with just a few of us. Wow. And so now we start to work through um, some of the <clears throat> items of the day where there was homework involved. Um, also throughout the day, uh, they meet with uh, Joe, who's our biblical counselor, and they mm -hmm. may meet with Billy, who is a, kind of like a life coach, and uh, they are given goals and tasks, mm -hmm. and they may not like those goals, or they may not understand those goals. Right. Uh, and so we just kind of help walk through that, uh, make yeah. sure their homework is getting done, making sure they're getting along with the other boys. Mm -hmm. and, and during that time, those boys are dealing with anger, they're dealing with uh social interactions right. or depression and all those things. So we have an eye for that as that's happening, as well as uh, taking guys for different activities. Uh, we have the opportunity to take guys to, let's say, the weight room. Um, and it's not just to get strong and to lift weights, but it's, hey, why don't you four come with me and mm -hmm. go to the weight room? And we do lift weights, and we do get to do man stuff. But the idea is to, to talk about Christ, mm. to talk about mm. uh, some of the struggles or the issues that they're working on. Because generally, uh, a lot of boys, when you sit them in a chair or on a couch across from a table or a desk, mm -hmm. they're not always that prone to, to talk. But when you get a boy uh, in a weight room, yeah. you, get with them, you may disclose some things and just <laughs> talk to you. Uh, or even building furniture, riding a horse, and right. all those things. So while we do the counseling, yes, formally at a desk, that and that does work, um, it also happens in various aspects and activities throughout the ranch. Yeah, yeah. Now it's I love the approach of your program, and um, and for most people who may not know, I mean Salem for Youth Ranch is probably. It's the only one I know of that really has a biblical, Christ-centered approach. These guys, guy and gal, um, are uh, committed to these kids to teach them. They're, they don't consider themselves to be in the role of a parent. Um, they're doing some of the responsibilities and care and love and that kind of thing, but coming alongside, not replacing parents, but being there for these boys uh, in a way that's like the local church. I mean, it, it it's supposed to be modeled after that, right? Yes. So that's yes. uh, that's the deal. Well, and what's your role there? What do you do there? Uh, so right now we're multiple hats. Uh, I am cottage staff, which is that after vocation and after school time yep. that I spend with the boys. Uh, I also serve as the addictions counselor. Yep. Um, and then associate Pastor, so when, when Terry is out and gone, we do take turns uh, you get preaching preach. and teaching yeah. in, in the chapel. So we do have church service on campus. Yeah, uh, We don't go to an outside church. We do preach and teach. And talking campus. to you in the past, I know this is where God has you. I mean, this seems like a perfect fit, you know, hand in glove, that you're fulfilling God's call on your life. Uh, yes, this has, been, <laughs> this has been a long, uh, a long road. Um, I mean, if I could just share a little bit about my Tell story us, and how yes. We, uh, how we and Kat can talk, too, in a minute. No. Oh, she, yeah, she can. She's got lots of stories. I got lots of stories, yeah. <laughs> well, she's here to keep Andrew honest. That's really what we need. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was adopted. Uh, I was a child of, of adoption by uh, um, Christian Jews, by Messianic Jews. Wow. Actually, so I was, I was raised in church. Um, my parents went to church. I would not say they were... Uh, godly 
and people yeah and, and right. really um living out christ-like but they did take me to church we went to church tuesday night prayer wednesday night yeah sunday sunday night so i, I was raised in in church but i was very rebellious as a young man very angry mm. um my dad was a little abusive, so so we did struggle with that. He was a Vietnam vet. He was a mm. Navy corpsman, uh, so so he has a lot of struggles that that he's dealing with as well. Yeah. Um. So through some abuse and just being angry, uh, not knowing who I was, uh, identity issues. I'm living sure. with Messianic Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm half white, half black, mm. trying to fit in just culturally mm-hmm. in all these different areas. Yeah. I grew up in that. Um, can be very confusing and all that stuff, confusing. you know. It was very yeah. um, So at a young age of 14, 15, started um, mm. using marijuana and, and just living that rebellious lifestyle. Didn't want to listen to teachers, didn't want to mm-hmm. listen to parents, uh, which eventually had me moving out at 16 on my own, uh, living mm. in a two-bedroom wow. apartment with like <laughs> six other teens. Yeah, wow. Um, kind of in this goth culture of this yeah. heavy metal culture yeah uh, which turned to a lot of drug use of, of, this is south sure. florida and so there is uh, a lot of cocaine use hallucinogens mushrooms ecstasy Man. wow um wasn't building an addiction to one drug it was really um first of all just suppressing truth and unrighteousness right um but not wanting to face reality not wanting to deal with reality always looking for um, the next high and kind of got the identity of I would mix multiple drugs and wanted to be the best drug uh, user and that yeah. being the cool guy. Of, yeah. I'll do all the drugs and yeah. let's stay up the latest. Yeah. Um, and we never have to end the party kind right. of culture. Well, that carried on till um, I was 18 to where I, I knew I needed to change, didn't know how. So I, Joined the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. and I figured that's it. This will fix me. The Marine mm-hmm. Corps will fix me. Um, and what happened was I learned a lot of good things in the Marine Corps. Sure. Good work ethic. Yep. Um, some strong discipline in there. I mm-hmm. also learned how to drink heavily mm. in the Marine Corps. It, mm-hmm. It's founded in Ten Tavern, founded in a bar, so there is a culture of alcoholism. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that is there. And <laughs> didn't know that. During um, yeah. a training exercise in Yuma, Arizona, um, uh, an airplane, it's, it's Osprey, so it takes off like a helicopter and flies like an airplane, mm. had crashed and killed um, our weapons platoon, so we lost a lot of Marines, oh. which kind of drove me back to um, some drug use of marijuana, um, which I ended up getting kicked out of the Marine Corps oh, uh, for that. Wow. And this is uh, in 1999, <clears throat> that was kind of the culture. You can't smoke weed mm-hmm. um, because that's a drug. Yeah, but don't you have do raging marijuana. alcoholics. <laughs> Serving, yeah. We don't have licenses that are, um, yeah. Alcohol is not a drug. Alcohol is <laughs> not a drug, apparently. <laughs> so that's how they, that's yeah. how they looked at it back then. Um, and during that Marine Corps time, I got married real quick because I was trying to find some kind of sense of family, and mm-hmm. so I, I was married to my first wife, and then to quickly get to be separated, mm-hmm. um, ended up she and my daughter. She got pregnant and. Uh, Gave birth and ended up moving to Illinois. Wow. Um, so this beach kid from Florida followed and kind of went after that yeah. uh, to kind of be around my daughter. Uh, sure. But I didn't know how to be a dad. My dad wasn't a good dad. Um, 
even though we went to church and we did those things, um, I still wanted to drink. Mm. I still wanted to party. So drugs and alcohol really drove my life yeah. um, a lot. And so I uh, ended up not working out. And so they moved to a different state. And at this point, I uh, started getting involved with uh, different uh, gang members uh, in Illinois and wow. getting into that crowd. So now yeah. I'm in a different crowd. Yeah. Uh, feeling just the. Uh, I didn't join the gang, but just would be in there just to seem tough and to kind of have that camaraderie. Yeah, in that sure. and, and some danger and fighting. I was I I liked fighting and doing drugs and yeah. So I just kind of about how old are you at this moment? At uh, this moment, um, twenty one. Twenty one right yeah, now. Okay, twenty one in, in, in this, this moment. All right, and so lived that life for a couple of years where I ended up uh, um, just living terrible life and fighting yeah. just constant selling drugs doing drugs wow. and so my you're dad, such a gentle soul now <laughs> I, yeah, you know yeah. that uh it's just yeah wow it was, it was rough and so uh my dad had gotten worried about me to the point where he bought me a plane ticket to move back home to florida hmm. to straighten out mm-hmm. and so i went and partied uh with a friend one last time well that one last time uh we ended up partying and smoking crystal meth mm. and so um i ended up not on the plane yeah I, uh, too high to get on the plane and uh, that girl particular time her boyfriend knew the meth cook yeah and then there was a life of just crystal meth that took me down a path wow. of knowing it cooked getting it for free and just um partying and and just being dis- very disruptive um ended up homeless ended up mm. Uh, just living a rough life of just that crystal meth, you, you know, just smoking crystal meth to even be up because you're up for days at a time. Yeah. Trying to function in that capacity. Yeah. Uh, so this is about age 25. Yeah. Working through through that. And then uh, so living in a drug house and a party house, that's, that's where it was at. And mm-hmm. uh, this beautiful lady to my right mm-hmm. uh, came to the door with, with marijuana <laughs> Huge marijuana user, and we actually met in in the drug house doing drugs oh, and partying. Did not. This is such an interesting <laughs> story. This is good. I mean, this is better than a book or TV made for TV movie or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, um, can I jump in? Hey, yeah, quick? let her jump in. I'm there. gonna just jump in because yeah. I want to. I want to kind of tell my story a little bit where our world's kind of. Yeah, going. yeah. This I is think good. That's probably good. So, yeah. Um, I was born in Europe. My mom has been a fantastic mother my whole life. Um, wow. But Europe? In Europe, yep. And then I moved over here when I was one. Um, I don't really remember a lot of my childhood, but I think it's because my dad was in and out. And mm. um, it was just, you know, I remember going to Germany. I remember visiting my family over there um, mm. several times. I never went to church, ever. Mm. I, like Terry was talking earlier today yeah. about, you know, uh, we grow up in VBS and we go to church. I never did any of that. Right. I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone ever talked to me about Jesus until mm-hmm. I met Andrew. So um, I was, I grew up in Danvers, Illinois. It's a very small town. Um, and then I moved to Bloomington when I was about 15. My parents ended up getting divorced. My dad wasn't very present at the time. And he was sleeping with other women around on my mom and stuff mm. like that. And my mom had already went through kind of a lot moving from Europe to here. Right. She was already a nurse in Europe. And then when we moved over here, 
she had to go all the way back through nursing school. Mm. And I do remember my mom being, you know, working late and always studying because she had to re-get her nursing degree while she was here. Also, barely knowing English because she's German. Oh, yeah. Um, and so uh, she struggled a lot through that with my dad being not present, you know. Sure. Um, and so they ended up getting separating when I was 15. <clears throat> and I moved into Bloomington, and that's where I started getting into drugs and alcohol. My dad mm. um, kind of had introduced me already to alcohol. He didn't really care that I drank or anything like that. He would drink with me and my friends and stuff like that. Um, so I already kind of knew about it before I moved into town. But then when I moved into town, I'm now in a city. So I was in a city. I was meeting new friends. I was, <laughs> you know, learning how to party. Um, I was, you know, I had, I just kind of grew up in a similar lifestyle where I was just drinking and doing drugs all the time. I finished high school. Um, but at that time, it did cause tension between my, me and my mom, obviously. Yeah. Um, not because she was a bad mom, but just because I was hurting from all the stuff that was happening sure. you know, with my parents. So my dad is now not in the picture anymore, and I'm you know, trying to figure out my life and figuring that I'll like, you know, guys will love me if I sleep with them, mm. or you know, like that yeah. kind of stuff was happening. So sure. I was dating around and that kind of stuff, and um, I moved out when I was 17 also. I started dating a guy, and... Mm -hmm. He was very verbally abusive to me, and mm. it was just not a – wasn't a great fit. Well, I had dated him for about three years, um, and when I was turning 20, we had finally separated. Um, and then on my 20 – around my 21st birthday is when I met Andrew. So that's when okay. I had, we had separated. Um, I remember going to my friend's house, and I met Andrew, and I was like, oh, look at that guy on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's then, not to like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of where that's kind of where our story together kind of collides. Yeah. We, mm -hmm. we well, end up kind of meeting Jesus together. So. Well, you know. what's interesting about that is, like, everything up to this point, it's almost like you guys are living the same parallel life, you know? You haven't yet connected up until you're 21, and you were, what, 25 at that point when you met her or so? Or? Uh, oh, no, 24. Years. So you're, 24, yeah. 25. Yeah, 24, so, yeah. 25, yeah. But you guys, like, I mean, I mean, very similar, like, identity things going on and the drugs and all the stuff that goes along with that. And so mm -hmm. you're living that life, and now you meet at 21. So now you, we'll go back to you yep. now. Well, so, 24, so, 21. Yeah, so, we, so then we... <laughs> okay, so then we drank and we partied wow. together. Well, I really partied, and yeah. she would kind of help contain me and yeah. those kinds of things. And, uh, but for a while, I we mean, We can stay was... away from all of those in-between yeah, stories yeah. where we were together yeah. in those yeah, moments. Yeah, there was, there was <laughs> bar <laughs> fights yeah, wow. that we would get into and, oh, and, man. Different, yeah. and different things. So it was it was crazy. And um, eventually, we kind of broke up, and then... We ended up living above a bar, which mm -hmm. we're all alcoholics and drug users should live above a bar, <laughs> right? right? Um, so we're there, and uh, after one night of, of, of drinking, um, one of the last things I remember is taking a handful of Xanax, mm. um, and that lady saying, see ya, knowing that I, I was going to be really messed up. Yeah. Um, but, but that's just what I did. I just drank a lot, whatever yeah. it was, would just party. Uh, hmm. Ended up coming upstairs and just wrecking the apartment. I was not mm. home during this time. I was yes, do all sorts of foolish things in the apartment. Um, and so she had eventually come home, and she had had enough. I mean, I, I, yeah. we had been multiple bar fights, and yep. I was just causing all sorts of trouble and mayhem. And uh, so she was going to leave, um, 
And in that drunken stupor, the kind of the next day, still kind of in a fog, she's coming to pack her stuff. Um, and Christ grabbed me. Now, again, I'm raised in the church. Uh, I had adults pouring in, sharing the gospel mm. to me as a, as a young man, which I rebelled against, but people poured into me as a young man. Yeah. Um, here she is. She's getting ready to leave. And, and God just said, nope. And so I told her, I said, don't leave. We are going to serve Jesus. <laughs> and I'm done. Wow. Like, we're just going to serve Jesus. Yeah. To where she's like, what? At this point, world? I think yeah. he's insane. At this <laughs> yeah, point, I'm yeah. like, this something. He's, he's still what drinking. Is, yes, yeah. yes. You're, you're in a drunken stupor or whatever at this point. Or this hung is over right kind of the next day. I'm, the not, next. I'm not so gotcha. It's right. about 2 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. Yeah. at this point. I'm still yeah. sick, still feeling like, no, but. But, but you're, this wow. is it. So don't leave. Uh, and what we ended up doing was going to, there's a corner store church where hmm. during my time of being homeless and, and had been there and been served, yeah. there and ministered to there, Wow. Uh, we went right there and we said, listen, we're here <laughs> to serve great. Jesus and we're, and we're here to serve the church. Well, yeah. he said he was there to serve yeah, Jesus yeah, and serve the church and I just kind of rode along with it. Yeah, right. Like, Whatever makes this crazy. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah exactly. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. I, I'm four, and so, wow. and that was it with the drugs and alcohol. So you're talking cocaine, meth, shoot, wow, all of it. All of it. It's just done. done. Um, wow. And just going to serve Jesus. And then it was a short time after that a, um, a chaplain with the Olympics, he was a South African missionary, came in and he shared about his work of working with youth in Russia mm-hmm. uh, and shared the gospel at the end of that presentation and then so she gave her life to christ and so that gospel message um, Mm. saved her and then we got married shortly Mm -hmm. after that Mm -hmm. and then uh we felt like that was the next we're married and this is what the word of god says you know Mm -hmm. yeah um and so her life radically changed and we got married and uh we there wasn't a consistent youth worker in that corner store church so we said this was the Jesus house, a great place. And uh, we said, we'll help. We don't mm-hmm. know what that means, but someone needs to be here for the youth. And then so our journey of youth work kind of evolved from there and working with neighborhood kids. And 14 years later, wow, still working with teens. Yeah. I so, can yeah. see how God was pursuing me even in the moments of like our not soberness. <laughs> you know, I remember one night I was walking. This was... We were walking around the lake. I don't know if I ever told you this or not. but White Oak Lake? Yep, we were walking around White Oak Lake, and I remember talking to Andrew. And and this is – we're not sober at this time. We're not Mm – we're just, you know, I'm angry because my dad is not around, and, you know, my mom is always working really hard. And like Mm -hmm. I said, my mom's always been great, and we have a wonderful relationship. So I'm I'm mad that she's had to go through all of this stuff. And I remember saying, like – he was talking to me about God for some reason, and I'm like, there's no such thing as God. Like, there can't be – because, like, look at all this crap that my mom mm-hmm. has went through. Like, she's a, this wonderful woman, and my dad basically treated her like trash. And she came over to this country, and she's going through all this stuff. And I remember him saying something like, the stars in heaven proclaim God's goodness and, like, who he is. And I think that was the end of the conversation. I don't, I don't remember me asking a lot of questions, but I remember that moment mm. of God, like, saying that. And then I remember one night um, Drew was... Just we were having a date night, and I remember him washing my feet. And this is we're not we're not sober at this time, you know what yeah, I mean? And so, right. but he's he knows what's happening from you know like 
he's just trying to serve me and be and be kind, right? And I right. remember him washing my feet, and we were talking and <laughs> flirting a little. Bit, yeah, exactly, <laughs> probably a little bit, but at the same time, like that was that, yeah. you know, like I see how God was pursuing me in those moments too, yeah. like preparing me for these. And I think those moments I always will remember because I'm like, oh man, God was there even when even when we yes. were in our sin and our, yeah. you know, that. like those small mm-hmm. moments, God was just like, hey, I am here just a little mm-hmm. bit at a time, you know. Yeah. That's so important. I think so many people don't often see that in the dark cloud of using, you're still not sober and all that, God is still quite at work, maybe more than what, you know, (laughs) I mean, with with all that you guys are doing, he's sparing your life, he's leading you, he's guiding, you know, even though you're in active rebellion, Mm -hmm. uh, same in my life as well, so uh, wonderful for people to hear that, that is such a good point. So yes, freedom without 12 (laughs) steps, (laughs) yeah, without man philosophy, Yeah, it it was the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Raising a dead man to life. So I thought you could only get sober with the twelve steps. You, How you about know, that? You'd be you amazed. Mean, yeah, this is a testimony <laughs> yeah, re- or two <laughs> without it. I remember yes. telling my yeah. mom once I gave my life to Christ, I was like, something is so different. And she was like, What are you talking about? I was like, I Drew and I have literally not touched drugs or alcohol in weeks. Yeah. I was like, this, it's, you know, my mom was concerned because Drew was, he was always kind to my mom and, you know, he, sure. always, he was, he's always really had kind of a gentle spirit unless he was drinking or using, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't want to see that guy. changes the person, yeah. yeah. No. But yeah. she was always concerned, like, oh man, Drew's, you know, doing all this stuff. And I, I told her one day, I was like, it's just different. And she was like, okay. Hmm. You know, she, she was like a little yeah. bit concerned at first, you know, but. My mom loves Andrew now. He's just yeah. like his favorite, her favorite. What's so. not to love? Yeah. <laughs> I love him. See? <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. So you guys get married. Mm-hmm. Now you're what? What? How about how old were you uh, 20, when you got married? It was 2009. So. It was 27. 27 and 25 or 24. Yeah. So yeah. you get married. Yes. And then... So the, where do you so want then, to go from there? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so we started kind of what we were having was there was a lot of issues with youth at that time, uh, with hybrid gangs in the in the neighborhood. These yeah. Especially little where we cliques were off yeah. of you know you have GDs, you have Stones, and mm-hmm. you have to, these were like little cliques within that. So, yeah. Um, but there would be groups of teens, like fifty teens, and then another huge group of teens just wow. clashing in the street. They'd wow. ripping off like. We would be in the middle of worship, and, and they would come wow. down in the middle of the and street huge and fights. just fight. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, and shootings, and so we were saying, well, how do we reach these teens? Yeah. They're not coming. They're not going to come into the church. No, 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 no. So <laughs> God started calling us to work with these teens at this Friendship Park. It's kind of the park that's in the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. Um, we said, we're going to, I don't know, do worship music and maybe have popcorn every now and then. We'll just kind of yeah. share the gospel. Yeah. And so at that time, we're really influenced by, uh, this is where Answers in Genesis comes in, where, mm-hmm. where I'm like, man, I'm really loving this creation apologetic stuff. Right. Um, and, and also Dare to Share, which is all about uh, learning how to share the gospel, but but training teens mm. to share with teens. Yeah. So you're training teens to, to, to share the gospel with other teens and coaching youth pastors and so we have that information, and so we said, let's just yeah. go to them huh. and do it. And so we started partnering with the, the police department in the city of Bloomington, 
and we just started meeting with teens where they were at. And mm. then uh, when there was times of inclement weather or when it gets winter time, uh, we partnered with another kind of uh, church that had a space in that area. <clears throat> and we just met with teens and just shared the gospel with teens. And that mm-hmm. grew to um, having uh, a lot of teens. There's a lot of heartaches in there because we have teens in jail for oh, murder, teens sure. that were killed. Sure. Um, and then we kind of put that under uh, City Life, which is a branch of, of Youth for Christ. They have mm-hmm. Campus Life and City Life. And, and the reason for that was it was a nationally known ministry. But yeah. we wanted to get into the schools mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So we can get into the high school. Sure. And so um, we, we transitioned to that. We, we still did the same things, but yeah. under that Youth for Christ banner. And yeah. the, the, the superintendent of Bloomington High School uh, was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And he opened the door for us hmm. to come in and, and work in the high school. So we did that all the way up to just two years ago. Oh, wow. Um, so okay. we were with, with kind of urban kids in, in West Bloomington and yeah, um, and did that. But it was because I did a tour of Salem for Youth Ranch Yeah, about five years ago. Um, Mac asked me to come and just, just check the place out. Yeah. So I did. That's how it I, starts. I did a tour. And it was like, <laughs> That's how they get you. This place is <laughs> awesome. I know. I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable. It has yeah. all the things that a lot of places are trying to do, especially right. in urban settings. Like, man, I wish we had a wood shop. Kids need to really yeah. to work with their hands. I love that. Yeah. Or, or weld and just all these skills. Oh. Or horses. I mean, we had boys kids that, love that. That didn't even know horses were in America. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They haven't left Chicago streets. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. We had kids who have never, like, didn't. One girl asked me, she was like, I didn't know horses were in America. And I was like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Like, we went and took her horseback riding. But as far as, like, the ranch stuff, I feel like that's such a lost art for boys. Like, they don't. Yeah. Know how to change tires anymore, like do woodworking. And, you know, there are obviously yeah, boys yeah. out there who learn sure. that stuff, but in the city, it's not. No. It's not. The right. boys the don't. Yeah, the opportunities aren't there. Aren't there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, they come from a lot of fatherless homes where they don't yeah. have dads teaching them how to do right. those things, you know? And so, like Drew said, the ranch is just, it's a, such a cool it is. place. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been there yet. You've but you will be. You've you will invited be able to check me. It out. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Careful, that's how they get you. I know, I know. I don't want them to get me. <laughs> so go ahead. You were getting to the part where you started at the ranch. So yeah. So yeah, now we're at the ranch. Now take me through Philippians 1.29 for a second. For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, not only believe in him, mm-hmm. but also suffer for his sake. But to suffer for his sake. Yeah. So um, one is just that it's been granted to you. Yeah. Like this is, here's, you've been allowed, here's this gift yes. for you to suffer uh, for Christ. And yeah. I think we should take heed to that. And in this situation, I mean, Paul's been, he's been stoned, he's been beaten, he's been imprisoned, he's in house arrest mm-hmm. in this. And he's saying to keep the same mind. And so, yeah, right now we may not be killed mm-hmm. for Christ. But there's a lot of suffering for, for not yes. only just believing the gospel, but to really go out and make disciples who make disciples mm. and sharing the gospel. So there is a there's a so we talk about a social death that mm. you must face. So you've got to go to maybe your friends mm. or your coworkers, your old friends that yeah. hey, I found Christ. They may want nothing to do with you. So all right. of a sudden you're Sometimes now the, they don't. you're the weirdo. Yeah. Um 
people have been fired. Cats been fired mm. uh, for praying with with someone at, at mm. her job at a dentist's office. Wow. Um, and it, it is a suffering. It's a it's a there's a labor there that um, to be all in, you know, because we want to hold the gospel at the highest. It's sure. the, there's no deeper truth than the gospel. You're not going to search this book and find a deeper truth than the gospel. So we want to hold to that, but then share it. And that involves a lot of suffering of dying to self and, and mm-hmm. humility. Um, and so we need to be armed with that and also be armed with, you don't know where God is going to take you. You may mm-hmm. go to Africa and you may die yeah. for the gospel. Yeah, so right. we just want to be always arming mm-hmm. ourselves and be thinking of that to, um, I need to suffer well, I, I think yeah. a lot of our prayers are, God, I think it was you, the bubble, or at the IABC, we were talking about mm-hmm. being, the, being wrapped in bubble wrap oh, prayers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all these yeah. safe prayers. That sounds like me. Um, <laughs> but to be, to be ready to suffer for Christ, it may not be locked in prison. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, there's a social death that you, you must be willing to die. And it's awkward. I, I love Dare to Share's phrase that awkward is awesome. Mm-hmm. So be ready because you go up to a stranger. Or yeah. To, or I actually think there's something harder than sharing the gospel than with a family member. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it's yeah. much easier to, to share the gospel with Total a stranger. Total stranger, yep. I than, get it. Than family members. Mm-hmm. And it's awkward and it's... Yep. Your palms get sweaty. Right. You may be rejected. They're comfortable yeah. arguing with you. That's the, yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. They're comfortable telling you exactly how they yeah. feel about what you think. But right. Yeah. I mean, it may, it's going to cost you time. It can cost money. And I think you need to be willing to, to suffer. To do that and yeah. to suffer for Christ because mm-hmm. that's what Christ did for us. Yeah. Well, God um, then led you to Salem for youth. Mm-hmm. You've been there two years. Two years. And then now. You moved about a month or so ago? Yeah, about a month and a half, two months from West Bloomington to rural Flanagan in the middle yeah. of cornfields and soybeans. I mean, if somebody had told you that, <laughs> what, 20 years? I don't How old are you? You're, I'm you're 41. 20. So if somebody told you 20, 22 years ago, you're going <laughs> to live in rural Flanagan. Yeah. I mean, you just no. said... Not I would have been like, you're crazy. You couldn't envision that back then at all. No, because he's a beach no. guy. Yeah, he's he a beach He likes the beach. You know, yeah. he likes the... He, he, he's not a cornfield No, guy. no. <laughs> no beach or mountains. I can do, yeah, I can do yeah. mountains, too. Sure. I was definitely beach or, or mountains, but, um, you know, you just you started working. Or hmm. I, you started, I started working there. Yeah. And the draw is there. And I am a firm believer. You know, we lived in West Bloomington and stayed hmm. in areas... Because uh, that's where we were doing mission, and that's where we wanted to be. We didn't right. want to to kind of be in and out. Guys want to be available. We want to be where the shooting is, where the heartache is, yeah. uh, and to be available. And wow. we had kids staying in our houses um, weeks, months, mm-hmm. daily coming by. So we wanted to be just where they are doing ministry. And mm-hmm. so it was kind of the same when I got to the ranch. <clears throat> like, oh, this is... This is awesome, but I don't like driving 45 minutes back to West Bloomington. <laughs> right. I want to be available or, and just suffer. You know, you want to give yourself yeah. up and empty yourself. Uh, and, of course, you, it's the joy of the Lord that gives us strength, and you need health and balance. I know all those things. But. I think about the verse, you know, uh, he who has been forgiven much, or, or she in that case, uh, loves much, mm-hmm. you know. And so you're willing to enter into these boys' lives to live on the ranch mm-hmm. and to be available. 
because life, ministry, opportunities to lead people to Christ happen Mm -hmm. not just in that prescribed little counseling room, you know, once every other week or every week, but in the the under the what do they call it the shade tree conversations or shade Mm -hmm. tree conversations, the the living life you're working out with the boys and they start to talk about something. I mean, it's the same way with teens in in other regular homes. Like yes. the, when the kids want to talk, you got to kind of seize that moment. Absolutely. They don't we always want to talk. We have, we have had teens ourselves. I have a yeah. teenage boy, and when yes. he gets ready to talk, you have to you be, be ready. ready. Yeah, yeah, right. And sometimes that's midnight. Yeah. yeah sometimes right. there's a crisis at yep. 1 a.m., those that's kinds right. of things. And so if you're, if you're just thinking you're going to have successful youth ministry by, I'm only going to do this from right. 8 to 12. I'm going to clock in. and That's not yeah. That's not it. No. Yeah. Boy. You know, sometimes I, I think people feel like it's just me. Why, why don't other people care about this? Mm-hmm. Especially when you lay down your lives like you guys are. Um, I think you can feel that way. Like, man, this is lonely. Or why don't other people do this? Maybe you don't look at that or think about that. Um, <laughs> we do, but we it, do. it's it's yeah, hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard. It and and yet you've got other people there at mm-hmm. the ranch who are who are laying down their lives too. Absolutely. Maybe in different degrees. Absolutely. Maybe yes. not as much in this way, or maybe more in this other way. But you know, you guys have a team there, and so it's yes. not just you guys doing. You have about twenty three staff. And, yes. Yeah. It it only works because of the team. Yeah, you know, this doesn't work if, it, if it's just the helds <laughs> yeah. trying to do that. It, right. it, it falls apart right. quickly. This is hugely um, whether there's great? guys part time, full time, or volunteer, yeah. an hour a week. Yeah. I mean, it's every person is pouring in, and it's awesome how the Holy Spirit orchestrates conversations where right. all the adults are kind of saying the same thing to a boy. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes twenty three different adults to say yeah. the same thing to the boy before he finally gets it. Right. So it, it's definitely a, a team work. Mm. But we do try to encourage volunteers to to pour in mm. and, and to come all and to come all in. And yeah. we try to encourage too to bring your bring your wives to say anything to volunteers, bring your wives and family with you yeah. to ministry. Don't separate it out as this is my job, so I do this and then I clock out of this and then go home to my family yeah. because then you're always going to be divided with ministry and family. Bring mm. your family along mm-hmm. with you and, and, and see how your, what your wife does or your children and, and to watch them grow as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cat? yeah. One of the most refreshing things I think I've heard on the ranch is most of the conversations I've had with the guys, the ones that I have continual conversations with. I haven't, I don't think I've met every single person on the ranch yet, but when I'm talking to the guys, they're like, this is, I love my minute. I love my job. I love my ministry. I love the boys. Yeah. I'm all in for these boys. And that mm-hmm. is so refreshing because you do sometimes when you, you know, there's millions of Christians around the world, but they're not always all giving every single mm-hmm. portion of themselves. You know, we've dealt with that in youth ministry ourselves where we're trying to lead a ministry and people have lives. They have families and they have things and so you sometimes feel like you're pulling on every volunteer to try to get them to do you know the right thing or trying to get them to show up and you're not expecting every single thing from them because not every single person is called to to do exactly what we're doing you know 
But when I got to the ranch, it's like every single volunteer and staff member there is called to exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They have the unique giftings to be there and giving their lives to the boys. And that is just incredible and refreshing to me. And here's what makes it worth. Here's what gives us the strength to do that. And I think people need to see that is when a boy comes to Christ, Mm. then you look back and you Mm. go all the hours, all the sweat, (laughs) all the tears, worth it. So Mm. is not one more life worth more? So then it's that drive to just keep giving and to keep serving. Yes. Well, I, um, you know, it's interesting. Salem for Youth Ranch, boys program in Illinois, uh, just so you guys know, to pray for them, financially support their ministry. They're not asking for cash and, and money. I am for them. I'm not that directly to their pockets, but it, it supports them and helps them. And, and a ministry like this needs financial help. Because uh, they don't get federal funds and state funds and any of that. So I hope that you'll financially support them. I hope you'll pray for them. Um, but it is a very unique place. And I think it's a lot like a church. People, Some people won't like this. But when you talk about like some people are noses, some people are hands, some people are ears, some people Absolutely. are feet, mm-hmm. some people are... It's a body ministry that yes. functions like... The description there we have in Corinthians, you know, of Absolutely. of this body life. People are called, like you just talked about, and then they're uniquely in that role where they're gifted and they use that gift to serve and to do whatever. You guys are, are like that too. It really does function a lot like a church. And Absolutely. some people won't won't like me to hear that, but that's really what I see at mm-hmm. Salem for Youth. And I recommend anybody who has a, a son that they'd like to send there to consider this program. And, and the reason I wanted to feature you guys and Terry and that other podcast is just to, to make sure people know who they're sending their kids to. That's a big decision. And you guys aren't trying to replace parents. You're just trying to come alongside and help the parents. Yes. And I, I love that. I love everything about the ministry, eager to visit and come out. And see you guys at your new home. Yes, on, absolutely. On the ranch one of these days. So, yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for sharing thank and you. being so honest about your testimony. Because I think it's it's hopeful for people to hear what God can do in a surrendered life. And absolutely, just neat. And everybody's story's different, you know. Yeah. I think that brings in the <laughs> uniqueness of what I was saying earlier about each one of the staff yeah. members, because the fact that Drew's doing addictions counseling, like. Yeah, I think it was said yesterday. Who said it? Like you can't expect the kids to come. They're not coming to, to go church. through yeah. what you unless you've been through it. Oh, know? oh, yeah, like yeah. Terry was saying way. I can't remember right. the exact thing, but like right. Drew's been through it. Like we've oh, been man. through that. What a you know, testimony! Where you've got that. Yeah, and you so. did our commissioning addictions biblical counselor training uh, I did. process. I did. So you're one of our CABCs. Yes, Andrew Held. He's on our website. And just a real treasure, real blessing to me. And I, I just uh, glad we could spend some time together Absolutely. this weekend. So a little bit of time. So yes, sir. Good. Yes, sir. Hopefully more days ahead. So. <laughs> yes. Well, good. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Take care and God bless.